Hello, everyone. It is February 10th, 2023, and we're back after a couple weeks off. Uh, we are still having some issues with the internet at the office in Jefferson City. The, uh, in case you're wondering what the problems have been, uh, for many years we have used CenturyLink as both our uh, phone company and our internet company. Well, if you have CenturyLink in your area, you know that recently they sold all their internet business to a company called Brightspeed. Well, I don't know how bright they are, but speedy it isn't, at least not here in Jefferson City. And everybody is that's in the same boat as uh, our office is complaining about it quite a great deal. We have many, many times where the internet just stops working, where everything freezes up, and where upload and download speeds are very, very slow. So I took a break, uh, my lunch hour. I came home. And I'm uh, going to see if we can broadcast it here from my home, and then I'll go back to the office and we'll see how it looks when I get there. Uh, no, this really isn't my home behind me, but I thought that'd be a, a good uh, representation uh, wish list. <laughs> that, that would kind of be nice, but no. But anyway, that's why we're back on the air now. So a couple things we want to throw out there right away. Remember, uh, Monday is a holiday, uh, state holiday. Uh, and, and that also means the MFDEA and MFT offices will all be closed. As always, if you have an emergency situation, just let the answering service know that it is urgent and that Don Otto needs to be paged and they will get a hold of me wherever I am at. Well, this past week, been spending a lot of time over at the Capitol because uh, there has been a lot of things going on over at the legislature, at least particularly with one of the bills that we are supporting. And the version of the bill that we're supporting is Senate Bill 116 that has gone the farthest so far. This is the next of kin bill. Uh, the main most important item for many people in this bill is the fact that it would take out of the chain of command and the right of sepulcher law the a spouse if there is a divorce decree pending. So right now under the law, if a man and a woman, or a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, if you've got two people who are legally married, they filed for divorce, the divorce is pending but is not yet final, and one of them dies. Well, in that case, the soon-to-be ex-spouse is in charge of the deceased's funeral if they want it to be. And that has caused a number of problems. And uh, everybody who hears that realizes, well, that's not really a good idea. Some of the other things that this bill does is it clarifies when a person can delegate their next of kin rights to somebody else in a durable power of attorney. The example there is you have a husband and a wife. They're married and they're happily married. No problem with that. But the wife is going on a cruise and won't be able to be re reached for three weeks. If her husband dies, of course, she would be number one on the list to handle the final disposition. But if she can't be reached on that cruise, could she, before she leaves on that cruise, delegate her next of kin rights in a durable power of attorney to somebody else to exercise on her behalf while she was out of touch? Well, right now, the answer in the law is nobody knows. It's not clear on that. There's two different kinds of rights that you can have. Some of those rights and powers you can delegate in a durable power of attorney and some you cannot. A great example of this is, for example, voting. Let's take voting as an example. If you have shares of General Motors stock 
you can delegate the authority to vote those shares of stock to somebody else. But you can't cannot delegate your right to vote in a presidential election to somebody else. That's a, an extreme example, but those are the two kinds of rights. Some things you can delegate, some things you cannot. And this statutory right to be the next of kin of somebody, is that something you can delegate to somebody else? Well, you can't be sure. The answer is right now, we don't know. Now, this bill says, yes, you can do that. Frankly, uh, a lot of people who've looked at this from the funeral director side really didn't care what the answer was, whether it was yes or no, we just needed an answer. But after discussing this with a number of people from the Missouri Bar Association that deal with elder law and deal with powers of attorneys, they all thought that this should be one of those rights that you can delegate to somebody else. So um, that's what this bill says. This bill also takes out a whole bunch of those old laws from the 1870s that you've heard me talk about quite a bit, like being required to wrap a body in a solution that's saturated with bichlorate of mercury. Now, don't do that. Remember, don't do that. But that's what the law says you're supposed to do in certain circumstances. These laws were all written with bringing bodies back from the Civil War on trains in mind, and they really don't meet up with today's practices, today's standards, and today's more recent modern laws. Several of these laws in the books that are being taken out, if you followed them, you'd be in deep trouble because you'd be violating a whole bunch of newer laws that say you shouldn't be doing that thing. So it cleans all that good stuff up. Now, originally, this bill had in it language that came from the health department and vital records. This bill had in it the provision that made it clear when a coroner was supposed to do a pending investigation death certificate. Uh, that if the cause of death couldn't be determined within a certain period of time, the coroner was supposed to do a, sign the death certificate and put down pending investigation. Well, there were a few coroners out there that didn't like that or had some concerns about it or didn't think it should be done right now. And uh, for, for whatever the case, um, there was been some discussions going on, and the health department agreed that it would be a, a, not a bad idea to wait on that until they get the computer system updated. Now, one of the objections I think some people had with that was the whole amendment process that takes place because you would have to amend the death certificate from pending investigation to the final cause of death. And as we all know, the uh, amendment process, although it's been getting better, it still takes some time to do unless it's an emergency situation. So that hopefully is going to be taken care of sometime in the next year or so with the new upgrades to the Moevers computer system where you'll be able to do the affidavits online without having to fill out the paper form, hopefully. Uh, again, until we see it, we don't have it until we see it, until we make sure it works. But that's the idea, is that the new upgraded system is going to be make it much easier to do the correction or uh, updated affidavits on a death certificate. So um, once the health department agreed that it was okay to take that language out, and wait until after everything's upgraded. Well, that's fine with us. This was the language that came from the um, health department that had been approved by the governor anyway. We didn't come up with that. Uh, we agreed to have it in the bill that we wouldn't object to that. And we'd still push forward with the bill and all that because it is a we do want to make sure that people can get those death certificates as quickly as possible. But since the health department and vital records is all OK with that coming out, that came out of the bill. So that's not in there anymore uh, on Senate Bill 116. The part about the coroners and the pending death certificates is no longer in the bill. Well, that bill has passed the Senate. Uh, it almost got filibustered. 
not for anything with the bill, but there was a dispute about some other things that went on that, and it got caught behind uh, some other things that were being talked about. Uh, but nevertheless, that filibuster uh, stopped. It didn't it didn't take place for more than a few minutes, which was fortunate. And so that bill has finally and truly passed the Senate and is moving over onto the House side. Of course, that bill then needs to be heard by the House committees. And if it gets approved by the committees, then it would go to the House. And if there's any different and the House will vote on it, if there's any changes made on the House side, then it'll have to go back to a conference committee to work out any differences. There is a House version of this bill that has been heard by committee, and no one objected to the bill there. The uh, coroner's language was also going to be taken out of the House version of that bill. Uh, it has not yet been forwarded to the House, and that's the way you normally do things. You submit an, an identical bill on the House side and on the Senate side, and basically you see which one gets along quickest and first, and that's the one you'll eventually get uh, passed by both houses. So we'll keep you up to date on that. The other bills that we've been tracking and following have not had any committee hearings yet. We're hoping that uh, several of those do get hearings soon. One of them, of course, is the bill on licensing. Now, most of this licensing bill, most of what's in the licensing bill is what was submitted last year that everyone agreed to, that nobody objected to. It puts all of the embalmer statutory requirements in the in one section and all the funeral director requirements in another section. Right now, they're all mished together. You got one sentence is embalmer, the next sentence funeral director, back and forth and back and forth, and it's very confusing. So this bill separates those two and makes it so that you can easily see what the requirements are for embalmer and funeral director. Um, now, it also does address the current version as it sits right now, the arts examination. The arts examination, which the overwhelming number of people who have contacted our office and who've been at the conventions and have been at the district meetings complain about and want to have something done with. Now, contrary to what I've heard somebody out there is saying, this bill does not reduce the educational requirements for embalmers or funeral directors. It doesn't at all. It doesn't change the educational requirements whatsoever. As a matter of fact, depending on how you look at it, it actually increases the practical education that a funeral director will get. So what does the bill do regarding licensing for these two professions? Well, as to embalmer, you still have to graduate from a accredited mortuary school program. You still have to do an apprenticeship. The apprenticeship, however, can be reduced to six months if you get all of the uh, embalmings done that you need to be doing, and you can get them done in six months instead of a year, you can get that embalmer apprenticeship done in only six months. If it takes you a year, it takes you a year, but you can get it done. It has to be at least six months long. It also helps deal with the gap problem, the gap problem that we have where you've uh, completed your apprenticeship, you haven't gotten fully licensed yet, and today you could be embalming bodies. Tomorrow you can't do anything because you're waiting on your license. This helps solve some of those gap situation problems. The embalmer, the person who wants to be an embalmer, also has to pass the sciences examination and the Missouri law examination and meet all the other requirements that are in there as well. If, however, you want to be a funeral director only, just a funeral director, the educational requirements are the same. You have to be 18 years old and you have to have graduated from high school or have a GED or an equivalent uh, or education that the state board deems equivalent. You have to pass the Missouri law exam. You have to do an apprenticeship. And here's where the current 
version of these statutes of the proposed legislation changes a little bit because it gives you a plan A and a plan B. And it's the funeral director or the uh, candidates, the student funeral director, the person who wants to be a funeral director. It's their choice whether to pick plan A or plan B. Plan A is exactly the way things are right now. No change. You do the apprenticeship where you have to conduct and arrange 10 funerals within 12 month, in a 12-month period, and you pass the arts examination. That's plan A, and that's exactly how it is right now. Plan B, however, allows somebody to become a funeral director by doing a more extensive apprenticeship where you have to conduct and arrange 25 funerals during your apprenticeship and then pass the Missouri law exam, which you have to do in both instances anyway. Everybody has to pass the Missouri law exam. But if you do that plan B and you do the 25 apprenticeships, you do not have to take the arts examination. Again, that is the choice of the person entering the profession, whether they take track A or track B. Now, as we presented this at the convention, and as we presented this at the couple district meetings that we had in December, both in St. Louis and down in Southeast Missouri, I can say the feedback for that has been a wonderful. People just say that is exactly the kind of thing we need, both because it gets rid of the necessity to take the arts examination, which many, many people feel is not a useful qualifier to be a Missouri funeral director, but on the same hand, it increases the amount of on-the-job training and learning they get during that apprenticeship. Now, as I said in my earlier video, one thing that the Missouri Funeral Directors and Bombers Association board, our board, uh, does not want to have happen is we don't want to be over there at a committee hearing where the MFDA supports a particular piece of legislation and the state board of Bombers and Funeral Directors has somebody over there that vehemently opposes that statute. Because we all know what's going to happen if that happens, the bill properly won't go anywhere. And nobody wants to see that because there's all this other good stuff in the law that everybody agrees on. So the idea had been <laughs> on several occasions to uh, work with the state board members to see how they really feel about this, if they are really, really opposed to it, if they have any other ideas, if there's a compromise. If there's something we can work out that we could both be happy with, maybe it's to come up with a whole new test that's, that's done by Missouri and administered by Missouri. Maybe it's to have a track A, track B, and track C, where there's a third option. All of those things are things we wanted to talk about with the state board. Of course, as you probably know, right now we do not have a state board, which means we can't sit down and talk with the people who are in charge of that to see uh, what their feelings are, whether or not we can work something out, whether or not there's a compromise or whether they like this bill now and think it should, this is the way it should go. We just don't have that. We thought a couple of weeks ago, we thought we, we thought the governor had reappointed everybody to the state board. It showed up on the Senate's webpage that all those people were in the list in the hopper for uh, confirmations, but it was a mistake. Uh, the, the Senate webpage had for a few minutes posted the old list of gubernatorial appointments and had not did not have the new current pending list of gubernatorial appointments. So we had to correct that right away because well, it was wrong on the Senate's page and it was wrong when we sent that out. So sorry that got out, but that's what happens. We try to I try to check that Senate page every single day to see if we have new gubernatorial appointments out there uh, so we can tell people about that. 
Uh, and although I did not check the web page this morning, I have to admit um, that hadn't happened the last time I checked. We're still waiting for the governor to resubmit appointments to the Senate so that they can be confirmed. And when that happens for real, and uh, we'll make sure that that web page stays up for more than a few minutes before we pass it along, we certainly will let you know. Another bill that we're uh, very interested in uh, learning more about and talking with people with is Senate Bill 32. This is one that deals with pre-need laws and the, mo most particularly the pre-need auditing process. Um, there's some very, very good things in this bill as it is right now, I have to say. Um, one of the very good things it does in this bill is it clearly ma it makes it very clear that the emphasis of the pre-need audits is to be on the money. Is the money where it's supposed to be? Are you missing any money? Ever since 2008, uh, when we had the all the hearings and meetings and uh, discussions on Chapter 436, I know the Missouri Funeral Trust, the Missouri Funeral Directors and Bombers Association, and a number of other groups were all saying that that's what the audits should be about. Is the money where it's supposed to be? Unfortunately, um, during that first round of financial examinations, there was a whole lot of, in my personal opinion, time and effort wasted on minor stuff that had nothing to do whether the money was there or not. It had nothing to do whether the consumers were protected or not. It was, uh, you know, did you have a typo on this page? Did uh, you have the wrong, did the, the seller sign in this page and the provider sign on that page when it should have been back and forth? Okay, those are things if you find them, you want them getting corrected. But that should not be what the financial examination is really about. It's a financial examination. It should make it, it should be, the focus of it should be, is the money either in the insurance policy, in the joint account, or in the trust where it's supposed to be. And I have to say that this, this new bill, uh, I think, does a very good job of focusing the attention on is the money there. The bill, however, does, uh, uh, we do want to talk with the people who, uh, who are supporting this and the sponsor of this bill uh, to make sure we understand what uh, their intentions are with some of the other parts of the bill. Because as it reads right now, at least in most cases, what would take place is the state board would still do the initial audits. They would do the audits like they're doing it right now, uh, with, I think, an emphasis more on where if there's money missing. And if the state board determines that there's more than $25,000 that has been misappropriated, then they would refer it to the Department of Insurance, who under this statute would do a more extensive audit. Well, that's one question I have. What is a more extensive audit than what the state board did? I'm not sure what that means. Then if the Department of Insurance finds that money is missing, presumably, uh, it would go back to the state board for punishment, and the state board would have some additional punishment that they don't have right now, uh, including fining up to $10,000 if at least $25,000 is missing. So if more than $25,000 was missing, the state board could fine the uh, guilty party uh, $10,000. Um, but the exact procedure of how that's all going to work, how the insurance department audit would differ from what the uh, funeral board's audit is, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure why we need to have two audits. It also does appear that there's at least the possibility under the current statute of both the state board and the Department of Insurance deciding to audit the same 
person or company at the exact same time independently of each other. And obviously that, if that would happen, that would be quite a burden to a funeral home who's a seller uh, to have to deal with both of those. So we want to learn a little bit about that. What problems uh, are seen in the uh, current financial examination process that these new steps were designed to take care of? And once again, I'd also like to hear, if we had it, what the state board thought about all that, uh, if they thought that was a workable a workable. Uh, alternative or procedure, if they could, uh, on the way they operate, if they could do it that way. But again, until we have a state board, well, we uh, we can't talk to them about that. The other thing that we want to know about and learn more about with this uh, Senate Bill 32 is the, the Senate bill would take the audit fee, we always call it the audit fee, they, which is right now $25 per contract, and it puts that into a segregated account. And that account uh, then would pay either the state board or the Department of Insurance to cover the cost of the audits. There's that's there's some really good uh, thoughts behind that. Uh, I can see I can see some really good points of why that might be a very good idea, uh, because people at the state board have been raising for a number of years. Uh, if you remember Don Lakin, I hope a lot of you remember Don Lakin. He's a person you should never forget. He always asked that question at state board meetings: How much does an audit cost? I would try to do it in his voice. Uh, if you remember Don's voice, I would try to say that how in his voice, but it is, uh, you can get in trouble for impersonating a funeral director. It says that in the statute in chapter 333, uh, that it's a violation to impersonate a funeral director. So I won't try to do it in Don's voice, but he always used to ask, well, how much does it cost to do an audit? And by segregating this money uh, and having that spent only on the audits, I, I can see how that would help... Uh, you know, give you a paper trail as to how much the audits cost and how much that was being spent on those. So that's that's a that's a very interesting thought that I think has some merit behind it. But what we don't know, at least right this second, uh, because as as of yesterday, we've not seen a fiscal note on this bill, is how that would affect the state board's budget, if at all, and would that wind up if that was done in the state board having to increase the license fees for funeral directors and bombers, pre-need agents, and funeral establishments. Would all of those have to go up if that $25, instead of going to the state board, went into a segregated fund? We don't know that yet, um, because at least as of yesterday, we had not seen a, a, a fiscal note on that, what that might impact would be. Again, I think there's some good thought press processes behind that. I really do, but we do want to... Uh, make sure there aren't any unintended consequences as a result of that. So once again, that uh, that build has not had a hearing yet. I'm hoping it does very soon. With any luck, it will be uh, near the end of the month when we are going to have the funeral director uh, day over at the Capitol. You hopefully have all seen the emails on that. Check into that. Uh, if you need more information, just call our office. Uh, because we want as many funeral directors out there as possible, uh, work in the halls, uh, manning our displays, passing out information. Again, if you come to the funeral director day at the Capitol, we'll have all the bills available for you. We'll have summaries of them. We got maps. If you don't know who your legislators are, I hope you do. But if you don't, we'll have all the listing of them and uh, their room numbers so you can find them. The question we get every now and then is, do you have to make an appointment to see your senator or representative when you're over the Capitol? Well, you don't have to, but it's a really good idea. They're very busy people, and they have committees to go to, 
and they have to be on the floor of the House or the Senate at certain times, and they might have other commitments and other meetings that they have to be at. So what is a great idea is to call ahead and say, I'm going to be in Jefferson City on such and such a day, and I would sure like to be able to talk with my senator or rep for five minutes about some of the issues that, that we're having with the uh, it, with the funeral legislation this year. And I can tell you that 99 times out of the 100, they will try to work to fit you in some way, somehow, so that you can actually meet uh, the person that you want to see. Well, that's all we have from now from my virtual wish it was mine living room here. Um, and uh, we'll be hopefully back next week. Uh, as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to head back to the office and we're going to run this through and see whether or not it's choppy or whether or not it breaks off like it has been in the last couple ones we've done with our old provider. And if it works good this time, we know for 100% certain that the problem is with Brightspeed. If it doesn't work this time, if we still have some choppiness or we still don't have a clear picture or something like that, then we know the problem lies elsewhere, perhaps with the uh, StreamYard server that we use to uh, to handle all these, and we'll work on it from there. But we'll, in either case, we'll keep you posted and uh, have a, uh, a wonderful holiday on Monday. If you get to take the day off, I won't. I'll be working. But the nice thing about it is um, I won't be working at the office. Uh, my wife works, so I'll be working on legislative stuff, Getting because I have to get all the summaries of all these bills ready to go uh, for you to have them when you're there at the... Uh, the legislative day. But again, if you need me and if it is urgent, just tell the uh, answering service that that is the case and they will get a hold of me. So until next time, have a nice weekend and stay safe.